0: If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com poweredbyhow.
1: "'And Serafina stamped again and clapped her hands with the other witches, "'and they shook their throats to make a wild ululation "'that tore at the air like claws, "'and Will, seated in the middle of them, "'felt a chill at the core of his spine. "'Then Serafina Pecola turned to Will himself "'and took his wounded hand in both of hers, "'and when she sang this time, he nearly flinched. "'So fierce was her high, clear voice.' So glittering her eyes. But he sat without moving and let the spell go on. Hello and welcome to His Darker Materials, the podcast where we run through the BBC HBO show His Dark Materials episode by episode this show is filled with spoilers it's just ruined by them uh you will find them at every corner and you will find them for season one of this show and season two all the way up to episode six and if you want to contact us about all the spoilers you found then (laughs) you can do so at stripped media uk on twitter or at stripped media on instagram and uh, if you use the hashtag, his darker materials, will also find you. Uh, I am Dave Corkery. I don't know why I was introduced myself after all that spiel, but I've done it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm joined, as always, by Helen O'Hara. Hello, Helen. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're not in this virtual studio with anyone today, but uh, you will be hearing more from our brilliant interview with Daphne Keane and Amir Wilson, Will and Lyra themselves, pep- peppered mm. throughout this episode.
2: Yeah, brilliant because of them, we should be clear, not because like our questions were like, oh my God, amazing. No, I, I think. If, oh, they were. I think
1: we really elevated that. That.
2: Real, we, we really yeah. nailed it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were amazing. <laughs>
2: High five too. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> right. Will we talk about this episode?
2: I think we should. Yes. Yes. Instead of just congratulating ourselves yeah. on our own brilliance. Good job, um.
1: <laughs> Leave us a five star review and tell us how brilliant we were. <laughs>
2: God help us. Uh, yeah, let's talk about witches.
1: Yeah, Woo. so we get a lot of the witches here. So we start. Mm. So we start off. Um, well, we start off with the liar. Oh no, no, sorry. We get a little scene with. Um, I've jumped ahead. We get that little scene with the, the the witches talking about prophecies again, and they just love talking about mm. prophecies, don't they? Oh, um,
2: that's their favourite.
1: But I love. So so they've they've entered into uh, Chitagatsi, and um, they. The first thing they see are a lot of angels flying through the sky. Mm-hmm. Um and we learned that the angels are making them well we learned that the witches know of angels firstly and yep. that they um the angels are making themselves visible uh, mm-hmm. for, uh and that they the other bit we learn is that the witches say that the last time they did so it was to make war.
2: I mean Foreboding. that seems foreboding is exactly the word it's a good word they also say that that this has to do with Azrael mm. Azrael has angels on his side that is yeah pretty heavy stuff and it also uh Ruta Skadi starts talking at this point about she's gonna go find Azrael full of the angels you know and generally see what's what That that's she can she's been talking about that for a while she's talked about a you know previous dalliance with Azrael but it's clearly something that is still on her mind let's say
1: and she intends Fairly. to destroy the magisterium after doing so
2: and yeah, yeah and why not I mean her villages too were bombed uh, her people were lost and uh, this is not a woman who lets a grudge die lightly yeah
1: exactly and I mean this is no spoiler for what happens uh, in, in the books and what will happen in the future of this show uh, but I think it's, pre- it, it's pretty clear that there's some big, <laughs> so shit's going to go down, right? I think,
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, when you start getting into, you know, we've, we've heard about angels, of course, in the last few episodes with Mary Malone. When you start getting into kind of those kind of cosmic forces, it's getting pretty real. And and it's clear that what Azrael has done is different in quality and quantity if you like to what the the makers of the subtle knife have done they have cut holes between worlds yes he has just ripped apart universes Mm. it seems like and that has thrown everything into this chaos that they're talking about and i think that's what is shaking all of these massive cosmic forces loose And, and as you say making sure that shit is about to get real
1: well, sp- uh, speaking of shit going down, um, the uh, the Lyran will uh, finally um, their their children of the corn came home to roost uh, uh, when the uh, Bella Ramsey and her what's that character's name Sophia or something? Is it
2: Angelica? Angelica?
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um The uh, they 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 uh, came. The mob came basically with the mm. the, the pitches and the pitchforks and and torches and. Um, <laughs> Quite a, quite a scary again uh, horror beats like this show leans into yeah. horror a lot doesn't it?
2: It really does I mean th- these sort of you know th- this mob of semi at least semi-feral children banging and clattering on the doors you know climbing up the sides of the house basically just laying siege to the place it is really pretty terrifying Children of the Corn is a, is a good call for that um, and Lyra and Will are Really are running for their lives, and they're kind of aware of that. I mean, mm. they have the subtle knife, and it's pretty scary and everything. But sheer weight of numbers is going to tell in in a situation like this, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's a moment of real peril again, and just a moment of you know that creepiness of of something ordinary suddenly turning against you, just like normal kids suddenly deciding, yeah. oh no, you need to die. You're in, and, and you're suddenly in massive trouble. Ooh, yeah, very bit zombie movie. Very almost. creepy.
1: But uh, luckily, yeah. the witches saved them from the zombie children. Uh, <laughs> so we get this awesome moment of this literally just like flying in from the sky. Uh, oh. And the kids know they're this probably <laughs> it's probably not a good uh, not, it's not going to go go well. So they, they instantly back mm. off. Um, and Lyra is uh, Lyra's with the witches and uh, Will meets the witches for the first time. And then we get a lot of hanging out with the witches. In this episode.
2: Yeah. We? And I think what's what's really, really good about these scenes is the absolute uh, disconnect between Lyra and Will's reactions. Like, Lyra is, is like, oh, thank goodness my friends are here. Everything is fine now, which is understandable. And Will is like, what the fuck is happening? Who are these people? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, I'm, if I trust them. And he's so wary and closed off and... You know, even though he needs help and even though his fingers are clearly in in serious pain and serious trouble now, he's just so unwilling to let them get near him. And it it takes Lyra reassuring him that they're okay and that they can be trusted. And even then, he still looks terrified and angry and and reluctant. Mm. Um, And it takes most of the episode, really, for that to kind of begin to dissipate.
1: Helen and I got to sit down and have a chat with Daphne Keane and Amir Wilson, of course play will and lyra
2: um so did you guys have a favorite scene to do together um and if obviously if it's from season two episode seven don't tell us but if there's anything before (laughs) that
3: then please let us know i love the heist scene the heist scene was definitely really fun Mm. to film and then i'm not sure if they moved this scene around but i think i'm allowed to say it it's the one where it's the one where will and Lyra are sitting on like the cliff and they're talking about trusting people and about will being bullied and stuff it's like they were all so vulnerable and sweet.
1: Let's pick up on that that scene then uh, for a minute, Daphne. Then, cause, yeah. uh 'cause because that's that that is quite a, a lovely, tender scene um, with with Will and Lyra. And it, talk a bit maybe about the relationship of Will and Lyra and how you guys how it develops from that caginess at the beginning to that point where suddenly you know they're really opening up to each other.
3: I think it's just beautiful how they can by the end of the season they can just be so vulnerable with each other and have these really emotional chats and that that scene specifically was probably the biggest milestone on that regard Mm. like it's the first time they they're properly talking about how they feel and their trust issues and everything yeah
2: yeah and it's so it's so interesting like lyra's kind of scared of her mum and Amir is scared, f- oh sorry, <laughs> and Will's scared for his mum. Like it's, they're coming at, you know, things from completely mm. different angles, but kind of meeting in the middle almost.
4: Yeah, it's like opposites attract, um, op- opposites attract type, type of thing. Um, they're both really, really different. Ivy's mm. um, quite spontaneous. He kind of seems to like rush into things. Will's kind of, he's spent his life trying to hide and yeah. kind of keep on the down low. And that's what he's good at. He's kind of an expert in that, keeping on the down low making sure that no, kind of, no one's really aware of his movements mm-hmm. and what he's doing because if people found out um social services found out you know that he's living with his mum and his mum is the way she is and struggles with these problems they'd probably try to take him away from her yeah. um which obviously he doesn't want that and so he's used to keeping on the down low keeping quiet and then he meets he meets Lyra and obviously you've seen that episode where like Lyra rushes out into Oxford she runs through the portal and where was like like you can't do that like yeah. it's, it's serious stuff because keeping on it means a lot to him definitely Mm. Mm -hmm. keeping him down low yeah.
3: They're also I think their approach to grief is also really different, which I think is a big a big character trait in people. And the Mm -hmm. fact how they both deal with it is just it's so interesting. I feel like Lyra is someone who looks like she's much more expressive about her emotions, but she isn't really because when the whole Roger thing happens, Will doesn't know about Roger until well into the show.
1: hats off to amir wilson i think he he uh he conveys the the pain very well i thought throughout this episode like this is mm. will will is not well here he's seriously yeah. ill. he needs some some of that awesome flora from uh from lyra's <laughs> world which cannot be found in any other world unfortunately
2: yeah Machizagatse just doesn't have it, man. No. It's not—it's not, it's not the thing at all. Um, and there is also—I mean, we should, to be fair to him, there is Serafina's distrust of him as well, and distrust of the knife and the bearer of the knife. Mm. And just, I think, because the witches are maybe so attuned to nature, she's just immediately like, "This does not belong. This is not right. I do not trust it. It should not be." And 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 her instinct is immediately to kind of get Lyra away from this. Yeah,
1: but she also acknowledges to Will that there is a prophecy that mentioned there's a boy in the prophecy Mm. as well and he he may or may not be that boy she won't (laughs) she won't give it she won't commit. exactly (laughs) (laughs) she's on the fence
2: (laughs) yeah yeah she's uh yeah but not for long as it turns out
1: how about well he he proves his his mettle doesn't he when the uh mm. they get that that horrifying scene another really like horror moment when the specters pounce on that that witch Mm. that was nasty
2: you could you could sense that something was coming and you know, when you see that Serafina isn't walking in the lead, I was a bit like, Oh no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-oh.
1: It was a red shirt moment, right? She. <laughs> it it was, yeah. God bless yeah.
2: her. Yeah. Uh, but but yes, it's uh it's pretty terrifying. And he does race into action, like he doesn't pause, he Yeah you know, goes off brandishing the knife because he knows that that keeps the spectres away and, and uh, I think the witches consider him differently after that. You're you're completely right and, and also Lyra and Will, I think, grow closer in this episode like after, it's almost as if after com- overcoming his distrust of the witches and theirs of him, um, you know, he he trusts Lyra's judgment maybe a little bit more and he trusts their friendship a little bit more, yeah. um than he did before. And it's 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 a really, really again, lovely, lovely scenes between the two of them.
1: Yeah, this episode is filled with nice character moments, isn't it? Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a much despite the you know, prevalent scenes of action in this episode, it's mm. a quiet episode, I think, particularly after the sort of paciness of the, 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 the ti the window heist uh last last episode. <laughs> uh this this feels like it's kind of a transitionary episode. Like, well, it is literally mm-hmm. the penultimate, but we're we're they're putting they're putting all the pieces together for our, for our big finale, and everyone's kind of taking a bit of a breather after all, yeah. all the crazy stuff that's gone down, um, and and uh, preparing themselves for for what's
3: to
2: come. Well, I was going to ask you guys about sort of, you know, actions and stunts and all this kind of stuff because I think we we talked to you a little bit about it last year Daphne, but you know, did you have a lot to do this, this season? Was there a lot of kind of training and that kind of thing for this for these roles?
3: Not really. Uh, there was a lot of me running behind like Bella Ramsey and Ella. Like it was it was crazy. But it was there was running, but there's not really. I think Amir has more of the fight stuff. I'm very, I, I, had, I had to drop to the floor a few times and stuff. I remember on set I dropped in the rehearsal and I proper did it because like, I, I have quite a lot of experience with fake falling. Don't ask me why. And I fake fell and no one was like, expecting it and everyone got like really concerned and I was like, guys, I'm just acting. But that was probably the biggest thing that I had to do was just like drop on the floor. I mean, I had all of this like really cool rope fighting like, weird scene, which is sick. Yeah. And I, just I mean had you got to, to beat
4: up like 15 guys in Logan and that was pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool you got to do that that was fun that must have been fun yeah no I um I go on no I was just going to talk about the stunts I know I just we um rehearsed the knife fight I mean I remember they never wanted to give me the actual metal knife they never trusted me with it they always gave me this plastic thing um
3: but not even in the still we the scenes first. like they just always gave Amir the knife because he'd break it yeah. <laughs> like he would have broken yeah, it
4: yeah probably do something um i fell over a lot with a knife in my hand i think that's why the, the art, like the props team were really like scared yeah quite a wise choice mm-hmm. he yeah,
3: fell off a high rock with the knife in yeah. his hand like over me and then onto another fake rock
4: and you guys might have seen the scene actually it's yeah it's scene um where the they um, with, the, with the witches and then the specter comes yeah. And the Will runs up and he points his knife. So when I run up Yeah. Yeah, so when and I run up that tiny hand. bit there. So when I run up that bit when I chased the Spectre up that tiny hill, um, after they said cut, I literally just like fell back, tripped over a walk in like some dramatic fall to the ground. And everyone was like, Whoa I was, like,
3: Everyone spying. thought he was like Good. dead, but he wasn't.
2: Oh no. Yeah. I mean th- in fairness, I, I I know of a lot of actors who have basically used the the rubber knives throughout their career you know just aren't trusted with the metal ones it's probably wise yeah leave that to the professional stunt people I think
1: um speaking speaking of the knife and uh you know this is a podcast so you guys can't see what Amir did but he I, you You give us the the three fingers salute there the uh yeah. <laughs> the, with, yeah, with the two um, fingers cut off yeah. <laughs> um what can you tell us, like, was it, you know, from a practical level? Are you just hiding those fingers in the bandage, or was it CG edited out? Or
4: so it was basically a prosthetic glove that they'd like slide over my fingers So they would take my fingers back in the morning. Um, so they take them back. I mean, obviously, I know it's a podcast. You guys can't actually see what I'm talking about. They're <laughs> doing it. Yeah, they would take my fingers back. Um, and yeah, for the whole day, and then they slide this glove glove on, and then obviously. Make it seamless, they put blood on it, put, you know, like gruesome stuff on it to make it look, yeah, exactly, all of that stuff to make it look all gruesome and bloody. And I kind of just stayed in it the whole day, and then at the end of the day, I put to take it off. Yeah, shout out Laura Laura Adet.
3: Shout out. Yeah, exactly, Laura Adet.
4: Aesthetic artist, amazing. Yeah, it was. Sweaty. It, um, when I in the more yeah, sweaty. That was what it. Was. it was quite horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite sweaty. Um, just to keep my position. I guess I kind of got used to it because the tape was just doing the work for me.
2: And then we have lovely Mary Malone oh. just wandering around Chittagatse, having a lovely time. You know, how nice is this? Going for a paddle in, in the sea. Um, and and I again, it took me a few minutes to rem- remember. Oh, okay, no, the angels have assured her she'll be protected because I was like, oh God, woman, yeah. why are you just sitting there reading your book? No, and we we literally fine.
1: see the uh, the angel like hovering over her, right? Because they're they're visible, or at least the girls do. Uh, I don't think right, I yes. don't think she uh, Mary Malone herself hasn't no. has not has spotted them, but yeah, you're right. It's like it's it's very much like Mary Mary's on so, so sort of like Sicilian holiday. Uh, just yeah. like kick, kicking back, reading a book. Uh, just the, <laughs> not, the Bible. Not to,
2: not to get Disney's lawyers after us again, like last week, but, you know, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Oh,
1: Anyone strong. Hey,
2: S- thank you. Strong thank work,
1: you. fine work. <laughs> That's why they pay us the big bucks, guys. That's why we're such good podcasters and interviewers. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the, um, the the Mary moment later, though, with the uh, Angelica mm-hmm. and... Um, Paola, is it? Uh, Paola, I think, uh, yeah. Um, the two girls um, who have this encounter with uh, Mary Malone, this heartbreaking in- encounter mm. where um, you really see the devastating effects of children without adults and without yeah. supervision and without love and affection. You know, that she that, that bit really got to me when she asks
0: mm. if she can have a
1: hug. It was really unexpected. And... Um, and really, just like uh, cut me deep. And the um, oh yeah. And when Angelica says, then you know, just the, the, the just the mundane things like, can you uh, make us have bats and tell us what to do and all that? They miss, they miss um, not just their their parents, but just like the structure and direction and the mm. uh, the guidance uh, um, that adults bring. You know, this and it's yeah. kind of like free the dangers of the the the. Of free will, too much—not free it's, will. But.
2: Yeah, it's just a, a desperate hunger for normality, isn't it? Yeah. And, and and affection, and, and someone caring for you, just anyone—it doesn't matter who at this point, but just someone taking responsibility for looking out for you. It is really heartbreaking, and I think it's—I think it's actually important that it's there, and it's really a good corrective, if you like, to the earlier scene. You know, this isn't just Lord of the Flies; they're not just. Savages. They can do savage things, maybe sometimes, and they can, you know, g- go a little bit crazy. And 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 they could have done something very violent at that point. But they are still kids, and they are still innocents, and they are still, you know, not really fully responsible for what they do. You know, they're, they're still in need of guidance and in need of structure and, and baths, and somebody <laughs> telling them what oh, to do, do. You know, they and need it's. Bath. And it is just—it is. You're right. It's just really, really heartbreaking. And I think it's such a—it's such an important scene to be there. It's only a wee tiny beat, but I think it's just great. And and you can see Mary is really kind of torn up to have to say no. I'm 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 not staying. I'm just kind of passing through. Um, yeah, it's it's that's pretty. It's pretty heartbreaking all round. I think that moment.
1: Let's talk a bit about uh, Chittagazza. Did I say it right this time? I'll never get it right. is it
2: Gatsy? Chittagazza. Chittagot- 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 Chittagot-
1: Chittagot- Thank you, guys. It's, it's just I was yeah. think Italian. Um, so we spend a lot of time here in this in this season, and so do you guys. Literally, what was I mean? What, could you talk t- talk to us a bit about the um, the set itself and uh, you know what it what it looked like and what it was? Did it was, it was a living, breathing kind of place, or what was it like?
3: It was incredible. It literally, you stepped. It was basically it looked like wood from the outside and then you stepped in and you were in a city. It was it was honestly incredible. It was really helpful because you could really, you could just act. You could proper feel like you were there and not just pretending against green screen, which is usually what happens. Yeah.
4: On the back lot of the studio, they had like basically built this huge, huge, yeah, like Daphne said, like it's a little town, a little village, and they had the tower you see, that was actually, apart from the top bit with a knife sticking at the top, other than that, that was CG, but the actual tower was built um, that square the whole everything you see us running in that was actually just built in the back lot um, and yeah I remember the first day we got with all the kids who were the Chittagarty kids like obviously Angelica um, Paolo and all of them that we got to go and then we got to wander around there's actually like bakery shops there's barber shops there's like a, a grocery store um, Yeah, it was it was really, really, it cool. was it felt really felt...
3: crazy it had like you could just walk into the place and it wasn't just empty it had every single like little product and stuff. It was really fun.
4: I think it was so like they could shoot in any direction yeah. and kind of just not have to shoot off, off a green screen. I think it was just easier. Um, and it was easier for us as well, really immersive. Mm.
2: Yeah, it does It does massively help when you're not like completely surrounded by green screen. And yeah, you, you used to hear stories in the old days about people Getting green screen sickness after spending all day shooting like broomstick flying or something, they would literally start throwing up. So, you know, at least you escaped that. So that's good.
4: <laughs> and even Will and Lyra's house, that was a three-story house. That was that was in the indoor part, we the had, indoor but, yeah, they had of house. Like,
2: two different sets, which is I would
3: say they had Will and Lyra's house and a couple streets inside the studio. And that was a we had a three-story house with like the restaurant downstairs, working fires. So when I'm cooking. You can actually... It was actually hot, which was... They were oh, kind right. of worried because I'm very clumsy. But...
1: <laughs> I, I know. It we, we experienced just... that at the top of the episode. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Not real baths, though. I was I was bathing in oat milk. Oh. Do you In that scene, I'm bathing in oat milk, yeah. It's very Cleopatra. So tra- yeah, yeah. So, they yeah, like warm... Warm water, lukewarm water. I emphasize lukewarm. Um, and they tipped, like, um, a, a whole bottle of oat milk in there and it just made it cloudy. It was quite... um yeah
3: funny story we had we both had to take a shower at one point and i was told there was going to be water but amir wasn't so they were like i mean it was like so is the water going to drop and they were like no you're just going to be dry you're just going to get exasperated and nothing's going to happen and amir just goes i, was, I remember i was in the tent i was uh, watching the scene and i wasn't no one was told there was going to be water apart from the water guys and then suddenly you just hear ah! <laughs> just amir in the shower <laughs> freezing to death
0: <laughs>
1: Let's move on to something
2: (laughs) with no heart (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Lord
1: Boreal and Mrs. Coulter have made their way into uh, Chittagatsey now after Mm. uh, after their their plotting um, in the previous episode and this plot is mainly uh, to do with Mrs. Coulter taming the specters which is what well, chilling i think but what's interesting is just kind of the build-up to that you know we see yeah. this the scientist in mrs coulter again you know she's looking around the city she's observing she sees somebody who's been severed um and she starts studying them right and mm-hmm. she's uh observes that uh i think boreal observes that it's a bit like um you know what 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 she was doing with the, the machine in season one. But she says, yeah. no, this is stronger than that. So already she's like seeing the degrees, you know, the varying degrees of this separation and then, you know, like hats off to her, the, the the sort of confidence of this, oh my this woman. Just like she, she, <laughs> she just sees those specters and just like the control uh, of like parking her monkey. And mm. marching right over there, it's, it's, in, it's impressive.
2: It is. It's it's a real faith in your own, let's say, scientific theory. You know, she mm. has a theory about what the specters are, what they do, what they feed on. And she literally risks her life on that theory. She's that confident in her own ability. I think this is, I mean, this is very much what she and Azrael have in common. They have absolute faith in their own abilities and will do anything to prove themselves right if they think it's necessary yeah, exactly. and I mean that scene where she basically shuts down her demon is really sinister like the the way he just sort of folds up on himself and, and sits like a statue it's like yeah. something a switch has been turned off inside him he's just completely vanished yeah. um, I thought that was a brilliant 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 depiction of what it is that she actually does to kind of to to harness if you like the specters or at least pass among the specters but it does seem more like control of them and not just immunity to them you know they're they're fascinated by her they're interested in her mm. but they're not pouncing on her that that moment where she reaches out to one and it's I, I wasn't clear if it kind of flowed around her or if it literally split into two at that point but it's it's almost like in the abyss where the 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 water yeah. snake if you like comes out and and, and talks to them it, it almost felt like that it felt like there was an element of communication and maybe of something passing between them it's really eerie
1: yeah for sure that uh it's interesting what you said and considered that they're sort of they're fascinated by her um and she does appear to have some sort of dominance over them now mm. or they they were you know um they, they kind of followed her hand a bit didn't they
2: yeah as, as she sort yeah. of guided
1: them and i think what um the the other thing that's interesting about i I agree with you that the scene where she in that scene where she um conveys that deep self-control over her Mm. demon and her inner self it is chilling and it's also presented here as a very powerful and useful tool um Mm. and in the last episode we saw it to be to have practical effects but what like it actually tells us so much about her and her actions throughout this whole as long as we've known her because she's able Mm. it's it's that control over herself and she describes it later to boreal as something like switching off everything that makes you human right yeah that's what that's the thing that has allowed her to to do the horrible things that she has done yeah. as well, right? You know the murder, the torture, the separating children from their souls. Mm. Uh, that ability has kind of eroded her sense of self, um, and or parted it and muted it. You know, literally, mm.
2: literally, yeah. yeah. And and I think it's not. It's different from the ability to separate from her demon. Clearly, it's not what you know. This is not what the witches do, and you feel like this is some not something the witches would really approve of. This is not natural. This is not normal. Yeah. Um, this is beyond that, and it is really, like you say, a test of iron self control and uh, on a really terrifying level. Boreal should not have been. He should have run. He should have run from <laughs> yeah. that. I'm not yeah. like, dude. That is some scary stuff right there that woman is way out of your
1: league yeah and I w- and he should have known it and well he paid the price didn't he? <laughs> he he should never have come on this on this field trip at all he should have gone no. with mary malone she's having a much nicer holiday in <laughs> in the same exact place it is kind of funny though that they are this is the, the same exact place like everybody has mm. congregated here and everyone's having very different experiences
2: <laughs> very yeah. different. the trip
1: advisor reviews yeah. are going to be really varied
2: all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, again, chilling stuff. You think me your equal. I mean, you could see that line kind of coming a mile away. Though. Of course yeah. he's not her equal. It's appalling, he would think it's that. It's still good. The, the um, payoff is, it's is good.
1: very, very good. And I mean, I'll never tire of watching... Uh, it's a familiar sort of scene or trope, but a you know mm. characters sharing a glass of wine, and then this the conversation <laughs> starts to uh, starts to, to 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 turn a bit, and you're like, oh
2: yeah. <laughs> she'd she'd do really well with iocane powder. I was just thinking of another poisoned goblet scene, uh, the one in the Princess Bride. Oh yes, Pride, of you know. course. Something that depended on can maintaining control of your emotions. She'd be all over that. She could she could basically poison people at will while drinking from the same and, glass. And, you know,
1: speaking of that, I would not be surprised if she had been taking this for years and had already built up an immunity to <laughs> that built poison. Up immunity. Yeah, <laughs> it's something she would do, right?
2: Yeah, uh, but she does have that moment later, though, where she holds her hand over the candle flame. Yeah. there's the, the Her lines, isn't it, strength is salvation. Absolute echo of Cardinal Macphail. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few episodes ago, that, again, that, that, that tendency or that desire to punish yourself, that, that sort of hair shirt penitential kind of strain of thinking um, comes out in these, in these magisterium aligned people again. And I wonder about the prevalence of that, how that's going to, you know, affect them and, and affect the story going forward.
1: Yeah, it's easy to forget that, um, as much as Mrs. Coulter rails against, you know, the institution, or works within its confines but has her own agenda. She mm. does appear to have some sort of inherent faith in it or or, mm. or at least she um
2: allegiance to it or adherence to yeah, it anyway, yeah. She
1: just wants to make it work to her own mm. methods, I think. Did you know I mean, did you notice how many empty bottles of wine there were at the table at that point? That's How many? It was like five or six. Like she's, she's in, the, <laughs> she's she's unstoppable.
2: But it 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 does it does make you worry about what she's gone through in her life that has made her this way. Like you know, mm. she had that conversation with Lee. You know, he he sort of saw parental abuse in her past. There have been kind of maybe hints about about that before. I mean, this is a whole other level of messed up. You know, it, it does feel like there's been genuine torment in her past. So again, you know, I'm not sympathetic with Mrs. Coulter, but she has clearly been through the wars. We spoke a moment ago about the Magisterium, um, and they are, of course, in this episode as well. And I did think that the the scene between Fra Pavel and the Cardinal was was really good. The, the, the sheer terror of telling the truth to power in this yeah. institution is real i mean right it's he he has to be reassured what, three or four times that he's not going to be punished for the message yeah
1: well i, I mean I, it's a good uh it's a good follow-up to that small scene we got last uh, last week where we saw the the, the consequences of you know even <laughs> Of you know, Father Graves didn't even technically do anything wrong, uh, and, and he <laughs> got done for treason, like you, uh, so I think Fra Pavel's uh, um, reticence is fair. I, I oh, yeah, 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 no
2: question, yeah, uh, it's wise. Um, but the uh, the, the, the message that he has is about Lyra, and the message is. That the name is her destiny, it foretells that she will be the mother of all sin. So they're talking Eve, right? They're talking Eve and not Lyra. Yeah.
1: I mean, they don't, you know, they don't say the name, but I mean, surely everyone's pieced it together by now, right? We had the serpent, we've got Eve. Mm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The mother of all sin. It's right there, guys. This is is not a spoiler. (laughs) Don't do us for spoilers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's there. Um, and spoiler alert, is there at this point in the book like i feel like we can talk about this point yeah, in the book yeah i think know. so um but it, it it does lead to this incredibly chilling scene which is basically the magisterium declaring war but not on witchdom at this point they're basically declaring war on lyra personally yeah they're <laughs> <This> declaring is... <laughs> war on this teenager this is
1: quite something i thought the, um, <laughs> but also like the, it it shows that line of authority again or you know, not mm. the authority but just the, this um, you know the fear that we saw from Prabhaville but the the, mm. the sort of um, unquestioning allegiance to the institution here because like you said it's just like if your boss came in and be like the enemy is this teenager who you know nothing about and isn't even in this world then sure like nobody's confident enough to just stand up and be like
2: yeah, really? Are we, are we sure boss? Are we <laughs> okay guess yeah, and so, uh, so that's it. They're headed through the rift, which is the cool place to be. All the all the cool kids uh, are doing it. You know,
1: everyone's going through that rift, man. Everybody, yeah.
2: Lyra and Will. Well, Lyra already did. You know, the witches did. Now the Magisterium's going through. I wonder if anyone else will go through this episode. Oh wait. <laughs> We forgot about Lee Scoresby and the sexy shaman. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so they so they gone through as well uh, with the magisterium in hot pursuit, and um, yeah, we get we get quite a few scenes of Lee and uh, and jopery in this. Uh, mm. uh, I, I keep thinking it's pope popery, but it's, Pop- a bit, it's a little bit <laughs> different. Um, they, uh, we get scenes of them kind of bonding, kind mm. of don't they? This sort of. Uh, light sort of banter uh, you know they're playing with each other a bit I think uh, you know jo- John Parry Stanislaus Grossman Potpourri's, uh sense, sense of humor <laughs> is 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 coming through you know the lighter gag the uh, you know you we think he's going to produce fire and he produces a lighter even even though that was mm. so obvious uh, I, I, quite, <laughs> I quite enjoyed it anyway
2: yeah it's it's a it's a lovely little um relationship i mean again it's been done in cinema before it's been done in tv but this you know where you've got somebody's being slightly mystical and the other person just rolling their eyes relentlessly and just i oh, forgot will you just give me a straight answer you know? <laughs> yeah so the whole just keep us flying the wind will be on our side and it's like well okay yes but it's also on their side so i'm not sure how that helps you know right. it, it, it's this kind of bickering that that is really good but um but he also does have the skills, you know. he's, yeah. he's got as you uh, as you might say mad skills. Um <laughs> takes down one Zeppelin, is it with lightning or two with lightning? Uh, something like And that. then sends and then gives them an Alfred Hitchcock nightmare and sends the birds after them. It was pretty
1: badass to be fair. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was
2: it was it was a little bit Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as well where uh Dr. Jones senior, you know, with his umbrella on the beach. Oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Brings
2: down the German plane yeah. a little bit like that.
1: Fly yes, land no.
2: <laughs> Let my armies be the birds of the air.
1: <laughs> oh, very good. Um, yeah, it was a, uh, he's an interesting character um, and I'm mm. very much looking forward to his reunion with Will uh, as we, as we all are surely, which I feel like we're going to get next episode. Yeah, I
2: hope so. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's He's an interesting mix, isn't he, of, you know he has these really relatable moments. He, he really did win over Lee by talking honestly about his past and about his family. Um, and equally this, you know, irritable, irritating tendency to, you know, pull up his hood and, and go into a trance yeah. and just not communicate. So, uh, he's yeah, he's a, he's a nice mix of extremes, the, the shaman, Jopery.
1: And, and of And of course they, they crash or whatever.
2: Um. Oh yeah, I mean that was always pretty <laughs> much yeah. going to happen, right?
1: <laughs> and that's where we'll leave it.
2: Oh my god, so much to come next week.
1: Yes, looking forward to the finale. We did it, Helen. I mean, ooh, we didn't ooh. do anything. We just talked about the TV show, but
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we it. talked about it sometimes for more than twenty minutes. Yeah, and, that's true. You know,
1: it's whew. been a real marathon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> His darker materials is a stripped media production. Our executive producers are Kobe Omanaka and Tom Wally. The episode was edited, mixed, and sound designed by Tom Wally. This episode was produced by Helen O'Hara and Dave Corkery. All our music was composed by John Dix. Our artwork was created by Sam Gilby. And the excerpt read at the top of the show was taken from the book The Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman and published by Scholastic. This episode was recorded remotely in parallel worlds. Finally, big thank you to James Carroll and the team at Northbank Talent Management. You just heard a stripped media production.
0: you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how.